This is Scott Becker with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. Thrilled today to be joined by Barbara Jures. Barbara is the CEO of the Gillette Children's Hospital. We'll talk to her today about what trends she's watching in pediatric care, how strategy and competition is evolving, and, and, and where the, she and the hospital are most focused for 2022. Barbara, can you take a moment and tell us about yourself and Gillette Children's Hospital? Oh, sure. Thanks, Scott. Um, so myself, I'm president and CEO, as you said, of Gillette Children's Specialty Healthcare up in Minnesota. I've been privileged to serve here for over eight years now, and my background is in health services management and policy, and that's what my career has been focused on, really, the policy and the management of acute care delivery systems. With um, the past 20 years, um, it's amazing how fast time goes, but the past 20 years now dedicated to pediatric care sites known as children's hospitals. Um, Gillette Children's is extremely unique. Um, we sit alone at many tables. Uh, we have a unique care delivery system for children who are born with or who develop muscular, skeletal, and or neurological conditions that impact their body's ability to move. Um, so we're about that brain, bones, and, and, and movement, um, those specialties of rare diseases and complex conditions. Our mission is unique um, comparative to many um, other hospitals, but so is our approach. Our coordinated care models built really upon the expertise of the people on the team, trusted relationships that we need to have with families and caregivers and referring physicians, and then really the proactive patient planning and that care management. Um, we don't see our kids as their diagnosis. We really work with them to achieve how they want to participate in life. How did you let Children's, especially Children's Hospital, end up in this particular focus area? How did that evolve? Oh, Scott, it's, I couldn't have asked you any better day to ask me that question. Um, 2022, so 125 years ago this year, Dr. Arthur Gillette, Minnesota's first orthopedic surgeon, um, partnered with Jesse Haskins, and uh, a fierce advocate for children's healthcare rights, to say that children of all means, all backgrounds, who have disabling conditions should be able to access specialty healthcare. And that's how Gillette was born. We're named after a physician. We celebrate 125 years this year. And um, but he set the mission, uh, she helped form it, and we have not changed since. And we really have influenced through clinical care research and training how, for example, uh, lifelong conditions and rare diseases from cerebral palsy to um, different dysplasias and Rett syndrome, et cetera, um, how having a different care system focused on this very unique and small population um, can achieve great things both for the patient and for our community. So unwavering, but that's how it happened. That's magnificent. Talk about as you look at pediatric care, what are the core trends you're following today? Uh, so for pediatric, you know, everything that the adult systems need to watch, and, uh, you know, particularly right now, there's two areas of emphasis, both based on people. I would say one, our workforce, and um, to the preventive health efforts for children, specifically childhood immunizations and the, the impact of what's going to happen with the decrease in immunizations over the past two years. For the workforce, we all have the constraints, but I think we've all read the challenges 
um, facing our healthcare workers locally and globally. Um, but in specialty pediatrics particularly, we've been aware of and managing the, the shorter supply of um, every position within our healthcare system um, for some time. And then the pandemic really highlighted just how fragile the US healthcare system is. And although there are several long-term solutions that various levels of government are pursuing, there needs to be more short-term solutions as well. So we are very focused on our talent pipeline, um, re-engineering roles within our system to optimize the strengths of all on our team, adjusting roles to adapt to the new workflows. Uh, but also most importantly, as our team grows and adapts, we, we have that urgency for the health and well-being of everybody who serves on the Gillette team. Resilience and decompression particularly, um, protecting our staff and, and working to minimize, if not eliminate, um, stresses on them at work, especially workplace violence. And then for pediatric immunizations, I think that we are maybe only three to four year, months in, it feels like years, but three to four months into the pandemic when we saw the rate of childhood immunizations drop because they couldn't be moved to telehealth. You needed an in-person visit. So now we have two years of preventable diseases and a significant number of children in the country um, not being immunized. And so will there be that reemergence of very preventable conditions such as smallpox and measles? Um, for Gillette, you know, we were made worldwide uh, reputation based on polio. And, you know, a lot of adults think it's, it's cured, but it's not. It's immunization that drives polio out of the system, and we would hate to see that reemerge. Fascinating perspective. I mean, workforce issues, yes. Pandemic impact on pediatrics, yes. But this concept of, you know, we talk about in so many other areas, screenings getting missed, colorectal screenings getting missed, um, breast care screenings getting missed, mammographies and so on and so on. Your point on pediatric immunizations is well taken and not something we've heard a lot about, but makes a ton of sense and, and frightening and interesting. Talk about as you look at really two more issues. When you look at strategy, how do you look at strategy? I mean, you're, you're sort of one of a kind where you are um, and have this magnificent international national reputation, but you still must think about strategy and competition a good deal. I mean, you're not, you're, you're in Minnesota, so obviously you compete with Mayo Clinic at all or not really, you're partner with Mayo Clinic. How do you look at strategy and competition as a remarkable pediatric hospital? Yeah, so Minnesota is a unique place. So I, you know, for all my colleagues that might be listening, we have a lot of fantastic pediatric resources across our state. Um, some from the outside might say it's fragmented, but when you're here, we each have our little niche, right? So you mentioned one, Mayo down in Rochester, who have a fantastic specialty program in many lanes, but we all work to collaborate, right? Um, especially when it comes to pediatrics, not everybody can do everything well. And so we do work together, but we also compete. And just like the adult world, pediatrics is facing a lot more competition from near and far, whether it's the venture capitalists, you know, startups, retail outlets, or the others coming into it. And as a specialty hospital, it's always the devil's in the detail, right? People say that they can treat something or that they can diagnose something. When it comes to complex and specialty, a lot of times those are missed. Gillette is 
so unique, Scott. We, we don't have a birthing center or an emergency department by design. We are 100% referral. And we're, not, we're needed because a lot of times those who are starting and competing in children's specialty care, the diagnosis isn't right or the treatment options don't carry enough options for families to really find the right path for their child. Um, so our strategy is always around where can we stay narrow and go deep and, and truly advance the well-being of the individual that we're serving but also contribute to the field. So we consider our research contributions and training and, and what we can do overall for the field. So we, we have a different type of competition if you would, right? Yeah, no, but it's truly magnificent. Yeah. And talk about, it, it, as, as you look at 2022, what are you most focused on for this year coming up? I mean, we've talked about immunizations and, and the sort of the challenges there, talked about narrow and deep focus on what you do, a lot of musculoskeletal and really competition with these venture capital funded situations and other types of things, but really working to just get better and better and make big contributions in the research area. You look at 2022, where are you most focused? How do you look at that? So we're assuming the acuity and the level of illness will continue to be high um, as we endure the pandemic. So all eyes are on remaining proactive and very aggressive with care management um, of patients, whether they're pre-diagnosis or in their therapeutic pathway already. We don't want any gains lost or at risk, which is a big part of pediatric care. The longer they can hang on to those gains in childhood, the better their adulthood is going to be. So with that, we need to continue to train and employ a very highly skilled and diverse workforce um, dedicated to quaternary care and peace. And we will continue to support our team members in wellness and resilience, as I, I mentioned. But with that, especially um, with healthcare and pediatric specialty healthcare, since our beginning, we've been focused on diversity and inclusion, Scott. And, you know, we had to open our eyes to a different way as well. So we are continuing to address the equity, inclusion, and diversity in terms of healthcare access and outcomes, whether it's based on a person's condition or rare disease, such as we treat, where a child lives, urban or rural, with a um, family unit or in a group home, social economic standing, but overall, um, as an organization inside and out, we will actively assure the equity inclusion for all those who need us, all racial and ethnic backgrounds. Um, it's our, that coupled with our mindset of discovery going into 2022, we have a long reputation and we need to continue advancing the field. There's new ways to diagnose and there's new ways to treat and intervene with the conditions that we specialize in and we're not going to slow down. We can't slow down. Um, there's generations behind us and much of what we uh, work in can't be cured. They're lifelong conditions and that's just the reality and though we work with those new competitors to try and change that the point of the matter is there's thousands of children here in the U.S. that have to live with lifelong conditions and, and that's who we're here to serve and so that's you know 2022 in a nutshell keep our focus on our patients and our team members and if we do that our communities around us will thrive. And, and from how far do people come to Gillette Children's for cure. What's what's the geographic reach? <laughs> we're we're global, and we we don't market outside. 
we don't really market at all. Um, we draw from all around the world based on a lot of children we serve. They're the only, or they're one in 10,000, or they're one in 11 million, which is one that uh, came our way a, a few weeks ago. So because we're referral-based, we do serve the globe. I would say probably about 85% of our volume comes from the state of Minnesota. Um, and then the rest is split between the, the continental and uh, U.S. and uh, mainly over from Europe and as far as Australia. Um, so we have certain hospitals we've gained more trust with because we've worked with them to figure out how to improve the lives of kids over in their country. And, and that's who we partner with. And let me ask you a question. I think it's probably a dumb question. Mm -hmm. Labor of love or a job? Oh, my gosh. I don't even see it's labor. I, uh, opportunity of love. And I marvel at my colleagues. Um, I don't even, you, you stumped me, Scott, and I'm usually not. Um, no, violent. no, but you're passionate about what it, you do. It yeah. comes through so clearly. It comes through so yeah. clearly. And that's why I asked the question. It's you, it's you're clearly yeah. so passionate about what you do. What an amazing calling <laughs> and, 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 and life. Yeah, no, it is. I, I'm the word privilege just comes to mind. I, when Gillette called me, I wasn't looking to move. And when I met the people before me that were here, um, and it's it's real, right? And I was like, I you know, I came in and I secret shopped. I did everything, Scott. And it was so clear in our staff, our families, our providers, um, the leadership that moved Gillette um, to the state of independence and their strength that you know they were when I came in. Everybody's here for the right reason, and there's just something about it. it it's just part of my my life. My family knows that. My family's engaged. It really is a community of saying everybody should should be able to to write their own story and it's it's just incredible so no even on the worst day it doesn't feel like a job i go home tired some days yes um the policy fights are at the federal and the state levels sometimes you know are frustrating but it's all for the right reason and i think that's why we tend to find the solutions with with people we work with and that's probably why i would say we collaborate more than compete especially in the minnesota market Barbara, thank you so much for joining us. Just a magnificent system and situation and, and everything about it. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us and giving me the history of the Gillette Children's Hospital. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Scott.